Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Create with Kendra, a place where you can be inspired, challenged, and changed. Another Wednesday that we are here. This is a very special episode and that we have a very special guest, my dear brother and friend, Philip Pruitt. Welcome to the show, Philip. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yes. So um, one thing I didn't know, and which I'm so glad that you're on with us today, that I didn't know that November was men's month. (laughs) I had no clue. I'm like, okay, March is women's month. We're always doing something for March. But when do the men get the love? (laughs) And so today we are going to show our men some love during men's month. Um, for those who don't know Philip, Philip is one of our esteemed and talented writers um, in our ministry, Unassociated. He is a behind-the-scenes guy, but I tell you, he has plenty to say. And so, Philip, we're so glad to have you on. Um, there is a series that we do. And it's our um, defining series for young folks to express their identity in Christ. Hello. And you can catch Philip as our latest edition on our defining series on www.undashassociated.com. And his edition is entitled Letting It Out. Philip, we're going to talk about letting it out in a minute, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So just for the folks that are new to the show, I want to play this game that I do with all of my guests. It's called Off the Dome. Woo! And so, Phil, I'm going to be asking you three questions, and I need you to deliver those answers. You ready to go? Okay. I'll do my best. First question, what is the best movie in the world? Oh, oh, God. Uh, Um... Why am I going blank? I guess uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man? We'll take Spider-Man. Yeah. Are you Spider-Man 2002? Because there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Old school. Old school Spider-Man. Yes, yes, yes. Same. (laughs) Okay. Second question. Would you rather lose taste or not Mm. be able to see color? Color. Because I love food too much. Yeah, color. Yeah, color. (laughs) All right, and final question, Philip. What brings you joy? What brings me joy is probably seeing my siblings and both my parents, my mom, my dad. Yeah, love it, love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for playing off the dome, and we're no going problem. to get into this conversation. So. <clears throat> Philip, I want to first of all thank you for bringing it to our attention that it is Men's Month, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the time that we forget uh, about the celebration of our men or the checking in of our men when it comes to mental health. And so today's conversation is going to center men's mental health and even discussions about suicide within men. Um this here certainly is a, a heavy topic of discussion. And um, before that, I want to let everyone know that we at Unassociated are really intentional, intentional about 
giving our men um, voices and space to speak. So, Philip, there is an event that Unassociated is hosting. Can you tell us a little bit more about this event upcoming? Yeah, so it's happening the, uh, on the Monday of uh, Thanksgiving, and that's November 20th. It's at uh, 5.30 Pacific time. And um, basically, like, like it's titled, like, the Men's Month Panel and Discussion. So, like, we are creating, like, a space to learn, have needed conversations surrounding, like, masculinity, manhood, and um, Jesus Christ. So it's, I feel like it, it's a great thing, um, especially for, like, young, young, like, young men. And, like, I've never seen this type of thing, so um, I'm glad, like, we're – like, you know, like, I guess, like, the pioneers that, like, I guess, like, uh, doing this and everything, you know? So it should be, uh, I guess, like, really great. It will be. What is the takeaway that you want people to have leaving this? This episode, I think just for men and, like, women, too, but just, you know, like, just to be open. Like, you know, like, uh, I know men, we live in this shell that the world creates, so we try to, like, abide by that. And, you know, like, we stay closed up and keep things inside and you know it could be like you know like making us drown in internally and like you know like it's a heavy burden to carry so i just hope like uh a lot of men can just see my vulnerability and just be like i can do that too you know amen it's gonna be powerful i plan to be there just to (laughs) sit and to listen and to learn Mm -hmm. so i'm excited about that um in the defining series um, edition that you f- were featured in recently, there was a question that I seen um, in the interview and it really stood out to me. And I want to um, repeat that particular question. And it, it, and it read, how do you personally define masculinity? And how has that defined, that definition evolved over time? How do I define masculinity? Uh, growing up until like I was like 20, yeah, 20 and everything, I thought being a man meant being perfect, showing no emotion, being hard and cold, you could say, like emotionless. And like when I was 20, I had like that big like mental break. Like I was just going through it. I couldn't carry like that burden by myself. And like I was just tired. Like, you know, I, mean, I was tired and just burnt out. And um, I had everything in the world, a man, a man, uh, like a man could want and stuff like that, but I wasn't happy. And I knew then, like, something was up. Like, I had to, I had to change. And um, through that experience and through, like, therapy, yeah, God blessed me to uh, to um, take a chance on therapy. And it was one of the best things besides, like, giving my life to Christ was, like, going to therapy and stuff. And, um, like, that gave me, like, that safe space. And, like, I started – I basically uh, made my own definition of what masculinity meant and was for me, you know, like, my own – like, yeah, like, my own uh, – experience that's what and what is that for you now how has the original definition of this stoic cold as you said Mm. masculinity evolved through your experience with jesus christ Mm. hallelujah and therapy (laughs) i have a sweat a sweatshirt um from this poetry um tour that i went to see and it says Jesus and therapy a lot of people um shun therapy and say all Mm. you need is Jesus all you need is to pray about it but we also need to talk about it Philip yeah yes ma'am we also need to talk about it so please share with us that transition from the stoic 
masculinity to this evolving version of masculinity? I think it started with just talking. You know, like uh, I grew up and like a lot of men in my family, like they didn't talk. Like, you know, like they they did actions and stuff like that. They weren't the ones to say, oh, yeah, like I love you. It's like, you know, like they would uh, correct you if they felt like you weren't being like a man and stuff like that. But they didn't talk about the talk about the stuff they struggled with or didn't allow you to be open enough to uh, to uh, talk about the things like you may have been struggling with. And I think um, just... Can you answer that question again? I'm sorry. Like I got lost a little bit. Not that no, you, you're on the on the right path. The question was your transition from that hard um, masculinity to what you define as masculinity now in your experience. Uh, okay. I think the biggest thing was taking a chance on myself. You know, like... Um, I, I was so scared of hiding, you know, hiding like my real self from the world, from yeah. just people like my like my own family, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, like like along the way, I hid it from myself, you know, like I tucked it away in this like this little small like a uh, treasure box, and I think therapy created that safe space, so, you know, like to, to uh, take it out, and then you know, the moment I took it out and started talking more and talking more about the stuff I, I struggled with. Like, you know, like me being human, you know, mm-hmm. like we're not perfect, but me being human and my yeah. flaws. I think that helped me just break away from like the world's definition of masculinity and just create my own. And like the biggest thing is being like, is being like vulnerable. Like, a, uh, like if anybody knows me, they know like, you know, like I'm not like faking it. Uh, and like, you know, like I, I'd say and talk about stuff, you know, like that, that's normally not talked about. Yeah, like you could yeah. say. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. It's a lot of people are afraid to step into that. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But another question that I have, when I think about the urgency of black men and black Mm -hmm. men, mental health, I think of it being a do or die because sometimes you can just live and exist, but be dead inside. Mm -hmm. Or you can be dying inside and no one knows. And so if you had, um, figuratively, if you had a phone, Philip, and you had the opportunity to dial 911 for all the men that you know that are suffering, what would your 911 phone call look like? What would it sound like? What is the urgency and emergency on that phone call? I think what I would say is, don't hide yourself, like be yourself. And just take a chance. That's it. Take a chance. It could be in like a multitude of things. I mean, like taking a chance. We put our trust in so many, you know, like so many like worldly things, like the presidents, the uh, politics and all this mm-hmm. different stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like put your, uh, put your trust in you and and Jesus, like you know what I mean, like trust him, like you know. So like, I guess, give him like that burden, you know, give him like that burden. Yeah. Amen. Give him that burden. I want to stay there for a little bit. It reminds me um, of the scripture, and I'm going to see if I can find it and pull it up for us. It's a scripture. Yep. First Peter five. First Peter five, chapter, chapter five, verse seven. 
And the amplified version says, cast all your cares. And in quotes, it says, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns. Cast your cares on him, for he cares about you. And in um, brackets, it also says, with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. I, <sighs> there are so many things that we carry, Philip, mm-hmm. that is just heavy. Yeah. That we don't need to carry. Things that it's not our fault that this happened to us. It's not our fault we were born into the situation. There are some anxieties and worries that we carry, guilt even, that doesn't belong to us. And Jesus is saying, cast all of that on me because I care about you. The things that concern you concern me. The things that break your heart breaks my heart. And Jesus is saying all that baggage that you have, you don't need to carry it because I'm the burden bearer. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last week on um, the returning episode about love. And God wants us to come to him and say, we can't handle this. And I'm a bear to repeat it again. But he cares about what makes us anxious, worry. What are some things that you've casted on the Lord? Some things I've casted. I think the shame. A lot. I think a big thing is shame. Shame. Uh, just my perfectionism, trying to be perfect for the world and, and different people. And um, I like my fears. Like, you know, like just like the fears I hold close to my heart, the things I want to happen in my life. And, um, you know, sometimes I fear may, like, may not happen because what's the word for it? I may feel that I'm not good enough, you know? Yeah. And um, I think those are like, are like some of the big things I've given God and, you know, that I continually have to give to God because sometimes I may fall and different things, you know? I'm so glad you said that. <clears throat> There are some things that we have to, Philip, continue to give to God. <laughs> yeah. This flesh, like the Bible declares, we have to die daily. Mm-hmm. Not a physical death, but we have to beat this flesh under submission so we can obey Christ. Right. There are some things that we have to just keep giving it to God, keep giving it to God because it's going to come up. Yeah. Something is going to trigger us. Something is going to remind us of this time when I was in this headspace and I'm going to be all over the place and I have to resubmit it to God. Yeah. Now, I'm going to challenge you, and I didn't tell you this, but because this is such a sacred time, valuable time, what are some of those shameful things or fears? Can you put a name to those? Because there might be some men listening to this that say, yo, Philip, I understand too. I'm dealing with the same mm-hmm. thing. Because too often, because we don't talk about it, we feel like that we're the only one. Mm-hmm. So are you 
willing to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Be vulnerable. It's to help the next man. Yeah. All right. I, guess, yeah. I hope it's to help the next man. Yeah. Um, I think some things I have to continue to give to God is like a, I know like a big thing is how I came to God. You know, like I went to church all my life and stuff like that, but yeah. God was in my heart. I was at church, and um, I remember you know I didn't get saved giving my life to God in the back of the church. I got saved when God told me like what I was doing in my bedroom and stuff like that was wrong. You know what I mean? And um, that like that like like, like that shame. Um, I think another thing is just. You know, like, you know, at times how we, how we see everybody else as perfect and and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. and we, and you know, like we may not know their in their uh m imperfections, but uh, but we know ours. And you know, I feel like oh, I can't be a therapist. Like you know, like like that's like my goal in life. You know, is to be called a Doctor Phil, like not um, as a therapist. And um, I, sometimes I feel like like what's it called? Like while I'm in grad school, I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough. I'm not good enough. But I'm like. God like literally got me to this point, you know what I mean, and stuff like that. And it's like, who like who am I to tell God like no, like you know what I mean? To I, I guess like to uh, stump over that uh, blessing. And I think just uh, another thing is like it's just like the shame, like the sins I had like before Christ, the things yeah. you know, like my like addictions and and, and yeah. different things, yeah. you know, um, like God's delivered me and like you know took those shackles off me for sure. But you know, like my mind like creeps back and just say like how could yeah how could I be like addicted to that you know what I mean yeah yeah I I hear that I was just reminded of a song um I think it's by Maverick City um and it's called you are more than able in the some of the lyrics says who am I to deny what the Lord can do Mm. God is more than able to show up and transform us in spite of our insecurities. Mm-hmm. When you look at people that he uses in the Bible, like David was the youngest of his brothers. He was the runt. He wasn't big and strapping like all his brothers. He was the boy in the field that smelled like sheep. Mm-hmm. But God called him to be king. Yeah. Like Noah, who dealt with alcoholism but he was called for a time and to be obedient to God Moses who stuttered who was called to lead the children of Israel out of chattel slavery and into the promised land there are so many Jeremiah he was like I'm too young to be a prophet. <laughs> and God said, don't worry about what you got to say. I'm going to put the words in your mouth. The only thing God wants from us is a yes, is us to be available. Even me, mm-hmm. like growing up, I was really insecure in school. And now I'm a professor. What? <laughs> God did. What? <laughs> Who am I to tell anybody or even myself? What God can't do. Yeah. Who are we? And I love, and I want to affirm you in this moment, my brother Philip, and to every man that is listening to this, even though you may struggle with something, God can grow you and use you in the midst of it. 
yeah, you want to be a therapist and you want to help people, but you say, I'm struggling too, but God can still use your struggle. What you go through is not independent of your experience, but it's to help the next man, like you said, Philip. So you in your graduate program and your aspirations for your career, you're in the right place. Right place, right time, right space. All of that. All of that. Right. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you um, rolling with the punches for that (laughs) curveball. For that curveball. <laughs> yes. Um, one thing that I've I've been actually asking this question for the past couple of weeks. Um, even in my my classroom, for those that don't know, I teach um an intro to African American studies class. And um last week we went over the Black Lives Matter movement. And my question that I posed to the class and I'm going to ask you the same question, um, but I'm going, it's, it's a twofold question. So here we go. Um, my question to you, Philip, is when do little black boys become a threat to society? And my second question is when do little black boys go from a liberating experience of this blissful childhood to the incarcerating space of society's chains. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to repeat the last part of that. When do our young black boys go into transition from this blissful, beautiful childhood that's freeing into an incarcerating space um, held down by society's chains. What do you have to say about that? That's a great question. Um, and all I can say, I think it starts not even the age, but the size. Like when the world see, yeah, the size, yeah, size. Because, um, because uh, like you know, like um, I grew up fast because you know, like I hit like a big growth spurt uh, as a kid. Like I was like when I was like nine, ten, I was like almost like almost like six feet basically. And, um, you know, like all my, uh, all my uh, peers, like in, in um, elementary school, like I was always taller than like my teachers and, and different things like that. So, I mean, like I was, I felt like I was under like a microscope. And last year during my um, internship in my graduate program as a therapist, I had client like uh, black boys being like bigger than most. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, like the school system, I mean, like it's been, it's changed. Like it didn't um, like, especially like big black boys are going through like the same thing I went through as a kid. No, because that was like a, a de- almost two decades ago, right? Yeah. I'm like, nah, it can't be. But I remember like talking to my clients and talking to like admin staff. Like, it, I mean, like history was like, I guess like repeating like that cycle. And I think black boys aren't seen as black boys like they're seen as black men. Once they reach like that, like the uh, biggest thing is the size, the size for sure. I need a pause. I need the pause <laughs> for that because I didn't even think about that, Philip. Hmm. I'm just taking a breath mm. because I'm thinking what age, but it's not even about age. Yeah. It's about how do they appear in society and what does that look like? And how are they treated? And what 
what are what is shackled to these chains like that's crazy and you're a kid it's not that you want to be bigger than most and for people that don't know you are the kindest (laughs) just funniest most gentle person ever but to someone that doesn't know you or there's someone Mm. that struggles with bigotry or prejudice they don't see you in that way what have have you experienced or want to share any anything um related to that yeah just um you know like i said like i had like a lot of shame growing up because uh by third grade you know i think the third i was eight I was expelled out the school system by the age, yeah, by third year, like me, third grade, me and a whole like graduate program and all that, yeah. I was uh, expelled out the school system because uh, teachers, it's like I said earlier, I was always under like a microscope. So like, so like my one, like my little, uh, like my little uh, misbehavior or uh, incident in, if it was like a normal kid, it like would have been seen as a one or two, it was seen as like a 20. You know, and um, like that, just like you know, like a, like a, a like, like a lot of that stuff kept happening, like back to back to back. I had a, a teacher lie, like what they call like lie on me actually, and um, that led to me getting expelled. And you know, like that created like like like, like a lot of shame because I'm I'm like I saw myself as like a villain. I saw myself as a bad person. I saw myself as everything that God didn't see. Like you know what I mean? And um, just that had like a lot, like a lot of shame. And um, thank God I got like what's it called? I got what's it called? Like reinstated. I did better and and everything. And like I'm here now. But like I still see it like with my own like my own nephew. And like last year, like when I was a therapist in my uh, internship in school, I saw how, te- like you know, like teachers. You know what I'm saying? Like like they treated like these kids like men. You know what I'm saying? Like ten, eleven. 13 year old boys you know like going to like peer b and you know like peer pressure like you look like you can think back to you know like you know like you've been at age like all the thoughts and everything like, yeah. like you're going through and you're seen as a man like come on now like no no like it's not fair for those that don't believe the conditioning for the school to prison pipeline it's a real thing yeah and it starts in kindergarten when a teacher does not acknowledge um, appropriate responses to a child. It goes from you sitting in the corner to you getting in school suspension, suspension and detention and expulsion and your condition to be demonized, your condition to be um, corrected in a penalizing way it starts in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. We don't tap into the needs of these kids and understand that kids are going to be kids. Now, it's one thing if you just wild. <laughs> but even if you are wild, what is the reason? Yeah. Did this child have breakfast in the morning? As to why mm-hmm. their behavior is not, you know, it becomes distracting. Did you ask him if they're hungry? Where did they sleep last night? What's going on at home? But no, we expel and demonize these young black boys. And I think about 
Tamir Rice, who was 11 or 12 years old and gunned down in a park because he was seen as a threat with a toy gun. I think about Trayvon Martin, who was gunned down by a white supremacist, not a police officer, but is still in the same system because he went to go get a late night snack. And one thing is for sure. Um, I personally and spiritually <laughs> believe that the devil has an agenda against black people. I do. Look at us systemically. That's not an accident. It's intentional. Look at it. You don't even get to age into becoming a um, an image of deviance. You don't even get to age into it. They just got to look at you and say, he fits it. Yeah. What are some of the words that are spoken over young black boys? that sorry that could really extinguish their confidence like the biggest thing i remember hearing last year from like a few of my clients and one of my uh, main clients he said he was like a 13 year old boy i mean look the uh, office staff plenty of teachers and even students said he's like the nicest dude like you i mean like you could just tell like his words and like his heart yeah but People saw him as a monster because he was taller than like most kids, and when he acted out, or you, yeah. or, or or like you know like have have like a bad like moment or bad day, like you know like picture being called like a monster. Like, you know what I mean? Like I've been called like crazy, a monster, and stuff like that. And look, I'm a grown adult, and you know like that's still you know it's, like, it's still like uh it's still uh eats at me at times. Like, yeah. like you know, so I think just yeah like being called a monster, like black boys are, are being called like. A gangster, like you know, like it, it's like you either um, you can either take two paths, being an athlete or being a, a inmate. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's just like stuff like that, and words like along uh, along like those lines, really like uh, I feel like get uh, get to like young young black boys because even like even for me, my dad poured uh, poured into me, my mom she poured into me and stuff like that growing up, but it wasn't until I was like twenty twenty one like like 22 mm-hmm. where I just got the grasp and you know started like building like my own like confidence you know what I'm saying so yeah. like I can just feel for like all the young boys at 10 11 or even like younger mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah monster gangster thug dangerous yeah and even in the utility of black men let's talk about the athletes the inmates, athletes and inmates have something in common that a lot of time we don't acknowledge. The use of the body. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of, and this is something that we also read in one of my classes. Philip, you should come and sit in one of my classes. It gets deep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm reminded of the Willie Lynch letter. Um, Willie Lynch was a slave master that was 
in high demand. People would call him in. He's from the West. He was from the West Indies and they called him into the American South to teach white men how to break their slaves. Mm. And one of the many things that Willie Lynch taught was division. So he said to break up the family. Put the man against the woman, the old against the young, the light skin against the dark skin, Mm. the field worker versus the house worker. He said, divide them. And so I ask, what divisions do we have within the black community that directly affect our black boys? But before we go there, this letter also mentioned, take the mind, but use the body. So when it comes to an athlete, as long as they're not saying nothing, opposed to this system, We'll let Mm -hmm. them throw the ball. But once you start kneeling, once you start making noise, you got to go. Yeah. Think about the inmates. 80% of incarcerated men before emancipation of 1863 was white men. Once emancipation happened, it swapped. Now, black men are at 80% of the incarceration rate. But we need people to work these coal mines. We need people to make these products for these lines, for these stores. Take the mine. Leave the body. Does any of that resonate with you as a black man? Yeah. I say the biggest thing is probably like the division, like you know. Uh, I know how you said like uh, the guy pitted uh, pitted like men, men like against a woman and stuff. But um, I take it as far as like I remember growing up and stuff. Like my brother, he took another uh, path in life and everything like that. And I remember uh, like just growing up and stuff, like seeing dudes on the street corners and stuff like that. And my mom, like she made an effort, she made an effort to put us in school. I mean, like how was this church and school, church and school, church and school. Right. And um, I remember like, you know, like having friends who uh, took another path for just and just seeing cousins and family uh, doing stuff on the street saying, oh, thinking like you better than me or something and, and, and my stuff like that, because I, I may have chose school or, you know, like uh, my image may have been better. Like, you know, like, you know, like uh, me going uh, going to school was more socially acceptable than like, you know, like uh, choosing, um, choosing, choosing like the fast, like, you know what I mean? Right, right. And, you know, I never even thought like that. It was just like, you know, my, I knew my mom and what she sacrificed. I knew I had to do better. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like that's crazy. Like, like, you know, like pitting, look, pitting like black men against like black men. And that's just like one battle. And then, and then we know like the battle like that's going on nowadays, like black men versus like black women and stuff like that. And you know, like it's just so much like drama going on, and it's just so much like division. You know, like it's just trying to like blind us and just like you know what, keep us at the bottom. Like you know what I mean? And like it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. Oh, and we can do a whole series <laughs> <laughs> on those topics, but um, 
thank you for touching that. There is this stigma within the black community of if you choose education or if you live in a certain part of the city or if you dress a certain way, you talk a certain way, that you aren't deemed or seen as black, you're not black. Yeah. You talk white, you sound white, you a sellout. But it's like, no, yeah. this is the choice that I'm making for myself. Yeah. As a black man, I've seen this side of the tracks, but I want to make another way. Yeah. So for you and other black men that are off the beaten path and it's not repeating these cycles, we rooting for y'all. <laughs> we at the other end, like, go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. We are rooting for y'all because you can do it. And it's it's hard to weave through that, to yeah. get through that. It takes a lot. You know, we sit in class and we look around at our um, colleagues. and Some folks don't look like us, may not have been oh, through yeah. the same things that we've been through. And it's kind of like, it took me a lot to get to this table. Yeah. So to anybody listening to this, take up space mm-hmm. when you get to the table. Mm-hmm. We do this, Philip. We, we, yeah. Scoot over. <laughs> yeah, and we be doing all <laughs> yeah, that. I know what you mean. Yeah. Spread out. Take up space. I love that. Act like you like belong. That's what. Yeah. Cause you do. Act like you belong. Yeah. Cause you do. Yeah. One thing that I'm grateful that I never dealt with getting, I would say I dealt with it, but getting out of this whole imposter syndrome, I was Mm. able to shake imposter syndrome when I transferred out of community college to the university. Mm. And when you get into these large spaces, it can be intimidating. But walk into the room like God sent you. Yeah. Like you are about your father's business. A few th- things before we um, wrap up, Philip. What are some things we talked about the word curses that society and other folks bring on to our young boys that translate into manhood, like monster, gangster, MA, yeah. athlete, you know, what are some promises of our Lord okay. that God is speaking like, over us? I got two verses. So, like, let's go to uh, Matthew's chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Okay. And what version is that? Uh, I'm reading from the um, NLT version. Let's do it. Okay. So, verse 28 starts and says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens i will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because i am humble and gentle at heart you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden i give you is light and lastly lastly another verse that uh that kind of i think uh, speaks to the uh, conversation today especially for like black men and like the different struggles that we have in the world and stuff like that is uh isaiah Chapter 61, verses 3. Let me get to it real quick. And it says, verse 3 says, 
to all who mourn in Israel, he will give you a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And um, how like how I think that these two verses just speak to my life, and I bet like plenty of other like black men, you know, like it's a struggle, like like uh, be, like being like not just being a man, but being a black man at that, you know what I mean? And just I know like my journey, my journey like in Christ and different stuff, and just like my journey like in the world, and just getting you know being a higher education, being like the only black dude like in my program and classrooms and, and different things like that. It's like you know like it's it's isolating. It's like lonely at times. It's like, it's heavy, you know, you know, and then like the world says, don't share it. You know what I mean? So like that burden and just like that walk, it, like, you know, like you go from running to like walking, then you go, go from like walking to like, to like really taking like one step. Like it's heavy. It's in, in different things. And you know, it's demoralizing, but you know, like you got to keep going. You know, I forget that verse, but I know like it says like, uh, pick up your mat and go like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, like that, that burst. And um, it's just like, you got to keep going and know like anything's possible, like with any, like anything's possible with uh, Jesus Christ. Because like, you know, like, I mean, like my walk, plenty of other people who, who, like, who, like, who haven't spoke about their story yet. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get here like by myself. I didn't get here like just because my mom, like my dad, or because I came from like a rich background or like a poor background. You know what I mean? Like God did this. You know what I'm saying? Like I laugh every day because, you know, Cause you know, like how I know for me at times, like I feel like I don't deserve like this because you know what I mean, like so many different things could be going so well, yeah. or you know what I mean, like just like the heights I like I've reached like in my short life, but like God did this, you know what I mean? Like I can't take the glory um, for this God, you know? It's so, like only God can, you know. So I just hope like this story and just my experience and just like our words today and like and just like the conversation can like make other black men and like and like black women and stuff like, and everything you know, like look at their journeys and just like their own like experience. Like, you know, like we may have bad days and good days, but my dad, but my, but like, but this quote, like my dad told me growing up was like, Phil, at the end of our life, you know, all we can hope for is that we have more, more uh, good days than, than, uh, than bad. And like, and like with God, like that's a guarantee. You know what I'm saying? Cause look, what's that one verse? He can make the good and the bad, like work, uh, work, work for the good for yes, those who love Christ, right? Yes, he can. So yeah. Philip, you about to make me run <laughs> down the street. Um, I might take a victory lap after we close this episode because <laughs> you're preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those verses that you shared, um, especially about like giving God our burdens mm-hmm. and that he's our refuge. And that lets me know that God is saying that you're safe with me. So for any black man or any black boy or anybody listening to this that feels like I can't trust nobody, everybody out there to get me, you safe with God. You safe. And that what we go through that morning, he'll replace it with with celebration and and dancing. It was giving... Black boy joy, okay. Um, Philip, thank you so much for. No, thank you, thank you, Kim. Thank you. I appreciate it. One last question, because you're full of Mm -hmm. so much goodness. What advice would you give to someone that is afraid to be vulnerable? What advice would I give to somebody who's afraid to be vulnerable? Mm -hmm. 
that's a that's a good question, Kendra. That's a good question. Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, like that's a good question. Okay. What else do I get to my being vulnerable? The e the, like, the easy thing is okay to be like vulnerable, okay, but I think take that risk on being like your you know, because like we live so much, you know, I mean, being this or trying to be that. I mean like try being yourself and just like, you know, like just What's I mean, like just, just be you. Honestly, just be you. I mean, like I know, I know it sounds so simple, but be you because, like, you fail at being at, at like being somebody else, right. but you <clears throat> exceed at being you. You know what yeah, I mean? I like being you. That's what. Honestly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Philip. Um, do you mind yeah, you. just saying a little short prayer before we go? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Okay. God, we thank you for just like this conversation, God. We thank you for just this time. And God, thank you for just you being you, God. Thank you for this holiday, God. Thank you for just peace right now, God. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God. And give you all the glory, God. I ask you just to let this conversation, like, let our words and just let this conversation lead somebody to take a chance on you, God. Yes. And you saving them and just, I guess, just putting more glory, like, in this world and just putting more of you, like, in this world, God. Let less of the devil and, like, less of the and a lesser man and, and just a lesser my flesh, God. Yes, Lord. And we ask this in your name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Yeah. That is the word on the street for this week with our brother, mm. Philip. Um, thank you again, <laughs> Philip, for coming to the show. We hope to have no you back because okay. this, we're not done with this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, because it's a it's a deep conversation. Right? You said it's a deep conversation. So yes. like, yeah, what's it called? Like Black History Month coming up. Okay, yeah. we just merely <laughs> scratched the surface. But thank you again. Mm -hmm. um, and oh. peace and love to everyone. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.